This month is our family seminar month. And uh, today, I could have done a sermon for children, but I was a little bit out of timing. However, I'm going to talk to husbands and wives about maintaining covenant relationships. Marriage is supposed to be a covenant. It's more than just a piece of paper. It's more than just saying some nice words or feeling your heart skip a bit when you see her. Your knees getting weak when you see him. It's more than that. It's a covenant. And unfortunately, more and more in the world, we see the covenant of marriage being looked down upon. In fact, people don't even want to get married anymore. They just prefer just to shake up together. In South Africa, we call it fat and set. In other words, you take and you sit. <laughs> or people rather test out each other first to determine whether they are compatible, whether they are suitable. And depending on the results of the test, then and only then do they get married. That's what the world is promoting. In fact, the world is trying to convince us that the covenant of marriage is an old-fashioned practice, modern-day things. I sometimes listen to people on the news, how they want to redefine to us as believers in Christ, how we must modernize our Christianity. Much as we become modern, there are certain tenets of our faith that remain timeless. And one of those is covenant. Marriage is supposed to be a covenant. It's not just a matter of the beautiful dress and all of that. And oftentimes we plan the beautiful suit, the beautiful venue, spend a lot of money, go into debt to have a big, big wedding of the year. But people never prepare for marriage. They just prepare for the wedding day. What God wants you to do is for you to prepare for a covenant that's going to last forever. For you and your wife or your husband to be bound together in covenant. First Corinthians chapter 13 will be a scripture reading from verse 1 all the way down to verse 13. And I'm reading it from the New King James Bible. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely, it doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. 
But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Very interesting how Paul talks about love. And if you've ever read the book of Corinthians, you will note that this is after he had spoken about the gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because this church in Corinth was so endowed with different gifts and abilities from God. It was a church that was very rich in the move and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And yet when you read in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, they were a divided church. In fact, among them there was jealousy, backbiting, and all of that. Which maybe I should define now. That somebody walks in a strong anointing does not suggest that they are spiritually matured. A gift is endowed on you. Character is developed. That's why the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but then the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit have to do with love, patience, long-suffering, because it's a fruit. So when it comes to character, as children of God, Character is developed. Gifting is endowed on you. You don't have to train. You don't have to deserve it. God just gives you the gift. So that somebody is heavily anointed doesn't suggest that they are spiritually matured. Amen. And so Paul writes to this church because he says in 1 Corinthians 12, you have all these gifts, you have all these talents. You know? However, even if you are so gifted... You are still jealous. You are still backbiting each other. You are still doing all kinds of things. You are behaving like children. Then he says, you know what? Even if I can have all the gifts, even if I can have faith to remove mountains, even if I can speak in tongues of men or of angels, but if I have not love, I am nothing. And it's interesting that for the word love, Paul intentionally uses the Greek word agape because he's writing to a culture that was familiar to what was happening and we're very used to Greek mythology. There was a belief under Greek mythology that there's four kinds of love. The first love called phileo, which means it's a friendship kind of love. The second kind of love is toge, which is, means it's a love to like. So you, 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 you love your friend, you phileo your friend, you toge your car, right? And then there's eros, which is erotic love, sexual love, all right? So, you fillet your friend, you stogger your car, you eros your husband or your wife. Oh, you don't want me to say husband and wife. Look at your neighbor and say, Trada. So, these three kinds of love, it was believed then that these are the kinds of love that human beings possess and human beings express, and it is true. You know, unfortunately in English we use the word love, you know. 
I love my car, I love my dog, I love my friend, I love my car, I love my wife. You know, but in, in Greek, it's actually defined that it's a different kind of love. You don't love your car the same way you love your wife. I hope so, guys. <laughs> you know. But it's a different kind of love. But then, Paul says, but there's another kind of love. Greek mythology believed that this kind of love can only be possessed by, by deities, those who are not human. Only God could possess that love because that love is not based on emotion. It's not based on feeling. That love, it's not based on being paid back. That love doesn't need to be reciprocated. That love looks at an object and looks at that object as being valuable and precious. It's a love that is self-giving, that doesn't ask anything in return. And it is a love that will never fail, it will never end. See, people can stop liking their car, stop liking their wife, and even errors can stop. But this kind of love doesn't stop. And so Paul uses this love to say this is the love. In fact, when you read the Bible, when he writes later in the book of Ephesians, talking to the husband and the wife, Paul talks about this kind of love, and this is the only kind of love that can sustain a marriage. It's called agape. Yes, let's have eros. Of course, let's have stoge and phileo. But those three, good as they are, cannot sustain a marriage. And so he says, this love... It's agape love. And it's a kind of love, by the way, that is shown by our God. It's a kind of love that made God to send his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. The Bible says in the epistle of John, whilst we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. See, I hear people when they give a testimony, they say, so long I'm told you, yes, since I found Jesus. So long I'm told you, yes, since I found Jesus. And I want to ask, who found who? Who told at who? Because insofar I understand, he came looking for us. He found us. The Bible says he loved us whilst we were yet sinners. He found us. And therefore it is this love that needs to exist in marriage. Now note, marriage by Jesus is, is, is a contract which is the establishment of a covenant between a man and a woman. You see, marriage is meant to be a covenant according to God. It's not just a piece of paper. It's a covenant. It goes beyond just the words we speak. It's a covenant. God himself sets a pattern for all of us of what covenants should look like. In his relationship with us, God sets that pattern for all covenants. And as we go through the covenant that God has with us, I want to challenge you that let this be the kind of covenant that you have in your marriage. Oftentimes people get into marriage not wanting to think about covenant. People go into it to move away from their problems, to get more money. They go into it because he's got a deep voice. She's got a beautiful dimple. They go into it because maybe we can have more money together. Or maybe, you know, we just want to do all of this. But people never think about covenant. And so today, as we talk about covenant, I'd love for you, if you didn't get into marriage because of covenant, find a way to, to, to reboot, find a way to recalibrate and make your marriage to be a covenant relationship. And those of you who are in the second row, I'm hoping that you're going in for covenant and not to do anything else. And for those of you who are hoping you were sitting on the second row, I'm hoping that when you get into marriage, <laughs> you do it as a covenant. 
God's covenant with men is often interpreted as a marriage covenant. Look at Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8. God says, when I passed by you again, I looked upon you. You remember when he looked on you? When he looked on you? You remember when you looked on him? I looked upon you. Indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you, covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord God. Verse 60. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. God says, I found you. I will love you until you're old and I will forever remember the covenant that I have with you. God says, as far as I'm concerned, I am in this for keeps. Yeah, when we get into marriage, Bazalana, we are not getting into it to test it out so that if it doesn't work, we walk away from it. We are in it for keeps. Look at your neighbors not saying amen and say, why are you not saying amen? What's wrong with you? Yeah. God says, I will establish a covenant with you. So when God entered into covenant with men, his covenant was based upon certain character qualities within himself that made such a covenant possible. And for that reason, your marriage, my marriage, can only be sustained if we maintain these covenant principles. If we want our relationship to be successful, we must look to the highest source for our pattern and learn all that we can learn from God. First of all, let's define the word covenant. What is a covenant? Well, a covenant is a formal, solemn, and binding agreement made between two or more parties. Let me say it again. A covenant is a formal, solemn, and binding agreement made between two people or more parties. There has to be an agreement. Okay? It must be formalized. You know? You know. So sometimes people just get married by accident. Nothing was formalized. You know? Nothing was formalized. They just jumped into it in Jaina. Or, you know, they were so drunk the night before. They ended up in a room together, putting a ring on one another. What happened? There was no agreement. There was no discussion. There was nothing that people were committing themselves to. Ask your neighbor, why are you so quiet? Now, I know why we're quiet, Barcelona. Because, you know, we are being gradually desensitized to the reality of what marriage should be like. We've come into an era in our world where we are somehow brainwashed into accepting certain things. People want to accept that people don't get married. They test each other and marry afterwards. Now, if we did that before we knew Christ, that's different. All right? But I get surprised when Christians want to justify that. When you have to fight with Christians to say you can't do this. From a biblical standpoint, you must get married. Now, we can all argue as to what constitutes marriage, okay? Whether you do a white wedding, African wedding, cultural wedding, whatever wedding, Marok Salayo, whether it's African, cultural, European, whatever, it's a covenant. And we enter into it first before anything else. Everywhere. Yeah, thank you for the few hands that are half-hearted. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
I appreciate that. Nanga seen to Bagiti. I've asked many people who are elderly. They'll tell you, even in our culture, there was, you know, it's keep it love all. It's Karaka Rupulus, it's only love all. Our ladies, Kalezama, Marlaila, Alex. And Council Lobola, you're not buying her. You're not owning her. It's a sign of appreciating what the parents have done. You can't buy her. She's too expensive. You can't. can't buy her. And usually that money is used through its alignalo and so on. But there are things that precede you shaking up together. Don't just stay together with it afterwards in Tuts. I think I must preach on this every Sunday. They will tell Anka, thank you. there's a lot of problems in this church. Yeah, I think I'm going to talk more about this. In the Old Testament, the word for covenant comes from the word that means bond. Therefore, covenant literally means to bind two or more parties together. So when you get into marriage, you get into covenant. You are bound together. Now, what's the nature of covenant? See, what's the nature of the covenant that God made with men? The covenant that God made with men were meant to be very serious. And even when we get into covenant, God says, don't get into covenant if you're not serious about it. Don't make a promise that you don't intend to fulfill. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 45. It says, when you make a vow to God, don't delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. In other words, stick to your vows. Keep to what you said. Yeah. So the nature of covenant is meant to be very serious. Therefore, when God himself makes a covenant, he has no intention of breaking it. He intends for that covenant to be an everlasting covenant. Genesis chapter 9, verse 14 to 16. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant. God says when I see the rainbow, I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. God says the whole earth will never again be destroyed by water all at once. It will never happen. Verse 16. The rainbow shall be the cloud, shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. But somehow when you get married, you must decide to stay in it. You must decide to stay in it. Of course, we understand when there's abuse and they want to kill you, then you need to deal with that matter. That's a different story. But you must decide to stay in it. You must do it with the mind of staying in it. It should be everlasting. Judges chapter 2 verse 1. Thank you for the few amens. Can you say, can you, can you congratulate the person who said amen next to you? Just say, you know, you're, you're doing well. Judges chapter 2 verse 1. He always says amen, this young guy. I like him. That's why I want him to sit in front all the time. Whenever I like him. Even when my sermon is not going well, you make it all worthwhile for me. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 2 verse 1. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt. I brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. God never breaks his covenant. 
You should take courage in what God has said about your life. It doesn't break covenant. Hallelujah. Whatever God has said to you, whatever God has said about you, God's not going to break our covenant. But you know what makes it difficult for us to trust God? You know what makes it difficult for us to rely on God? It's because we can't rely on our own word. We say things we don't mean. We marry people knowing fully well that we don't intend to stay faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Marry someone. So it affects us. So when, we, when God says, I won't leave you, I'll not forsake you. I'm not sure. But it's because you know that you're not faithful. So what qualities that God manifest in entering and maintaining a covenant relationship with men? The first thing God puts when he's going to enter into covenant and the qualities that go into covenant, the first one is the love of God. In Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 to verse 8, God says, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen to be a people for him, has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure. Wow. Above all the people of the face of the earth. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he saw to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, the hand of Pharaoh. So God gets into covenant, number one, because he loves. And when you love, you go into covenant. So God puts covenant, number one. In other words, God is never motivated by self-interest. God is never motivated by selfishness. He chose to enter into a covenant relationship because of love. Selfishness is when we focus on our own interest. And I must tell you, if you are not willing to forego your rights, don't get married. Selfishness says it's only me, myself, and I. But God chose to enter into relationship with us because of his divine love. God could have killed us. God could have destroyed us. But see, love is self-giving. Love is self-sacrificing. You give for the sake of the other without expecting anything back. No, no, it's not abuse. I know the world calls it abuse. We're not talking, and we're not even saying anybody should be treated like a doormat. Nobody must be treated like a doormat. Nobody must be abused. You should never allow anybody to abuse you. should never allow that. Should never allow that. You should never allow anybody to treat you like a doormat. But as a response to one another, the couple becomes self-giving to the to, to one another. The second attribute or the second main, the second quality that goes into God's covenant is the faithfulness of God. God gets into covenant and he says, When I'm in covenant, I'm going to be faithful. Verse 9 of Deuteronomy 7, he says, Therefore know the Lord your God, his God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandment. God is a faithful God. God is absolutely faithful. You know why? Because he is stable. God is unchanging in his commitment. 
He is a rock and we can depend on the fact that he, he, he is not going to move. When God makes a vow today, he will keep in his, his heart and he will keep his vow even tomorrow. God is faithful. See, the problem is, if we start our marriages having tempered with faithfulness in it. You know, I tell young people to say, you know, people are going to get married. I say, you know, when you are dating, eh, live like Christians. Don't steal yourself. Be faithful. Be faithful. Treat her with honor and respect. Yes. Yes. You're not married yet. You're not married. There are boundaries you don't cross. There's a line you don't cross. I'm going to preach it even more. Yeah. Respect him as well. Handle yourself. Be, be sure you do it. I'll tell you what happens. Hold on. Once the faithfulness thing has been tempered with, it makes for a difficult marriage. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And if you allowed him to violate you, or if even after you are married, you're going to wonder see your will. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you already started on a foundation in Luhuri. Hey, and you call, sure. That's why you have to go through there yourself. Oh. Thank you for those few hands. Today it's very difficult. Hey, it's very difficult. Imagine, Bazalana, if you, if, you, if you steal somebody's wife or somebody's husband or you entice them, you know they're married. You flirt with them until they become yours. Do you know even if you're married, you're going to be the most insecure person because you're asking yourself if they could be enticed. So all of a sudden, once they delay wherever they are at, because you remember what you did with them. It's never made sense to me how people will start on a foundation of disloyalty and no faithfulness and hope to have a stable marriage. Then when he cheats on you, why makats? Hey, he cheated on the other. Why don't we makats? Ha. Ha. People don't make covenant. They don't get married. Next thing, you say he's not faithful. Faithful to what? There's no covenant. She's not faithful. Faithful to what? There's no agreement. You put the cut before the horse. Faithful to what? Faithful to what? Marriage is a covenant. You've got to put faithfulness there. Now, of course, we, we make mistakes. Of course. There's things we've done that we're not proud of. It will cover it. I'll cover it in the next point. Of course, you can't be holding your, your partner hostage. You look at 1902, Salah. Hey! Look at your neighbor and say, Trada. 
How? But you got to be faithful. Your partner should be at peace in their heart when you say you are working late. To know that it's work. It's, it's not something else. It's work. Yeah? Yeah. That when you've traveled to go to other parts of the world, huh? that that's where you've gone. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't create a situation where you always have to be explaining. You know, these people who like explanations, well, why must you always be explaining? God is a faithful God. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 to 20. My goodness. For men indeed swear by the greater. In other words, when they take an oath. And an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Keep going. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation to have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which, is, which, which, which enters the presence behind the veil. Verse 20. When the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become the high priest forever, according to the older old Melchizedek. God is a faithful God. And God requires of us to be faithful people. Just be faithful. That's all. You know, our world is struggling with faithfulness. I don't know why. And it's amazing that the day we stand before Christ, Jesus is not going to commend us for our giftedness. When you read Luke chapter 16, when the servant stood before the master, and when you read the book of Revelations, when it tells us about what's coming, God's not going to say, well done, thou good and able servant. And yet in our world, we emphasize gifting, ability, and achievement more than faithfulness. And yet what God requires is faithfulness. Yes, ability is important. Don't misunderstand me. But God requires faithfulness. But there are a lot of capable people, very gifted people, very talented people, but the most disloyal people. See, people getting married, very beautiful couples, handsome guy, beautiful lady, unfaithful. Oh, yeah. You would think because they're so handsome and she's so pretty and he's such a yellow bone and she's such, she's such a red bone, you would think the bones would stay together. But you see, the bone's cheating. No faithfulness. Yeah. But you should decide with your partner, with your husband, with your wife, I'm going to do my best to be faithful to you. I tell you. Let it be in your heart. In here. I'm going to be faithful. Now you are going to get a lot of opportunities to cheat. Now, I know church people, you want to act like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And don't think you don't get, Bishop they still try to tempt you. No, no, no. Bishop, no. They're not matter. Men of God, they're not. Don't stop anybody. And you have to decide, I have made a vow 
to be faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to cheat. They may be interested, whatever. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't even want to see you. Just be faithful. Many homes have been destroyed because people are not faithful. The third thing is forgiveness. In marriage, there must be a lot of forgiveness. Basalana, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You know, it's always interesting when you counsel couples when they're going to get married. You see them sitting there absent-minded when you are talking. You are busy talking there. See, you are wonder how about too. We don't need any of that. We are so madly in love with each other. We don't need any of that. You know, we have fallen in love with each other. You know, like Brasiza Bulebati used to describe, he says, you know when they say they've fallen in love? They were walking, they were walking, and all of a sudden they fell into this hole called love. They just fell. And I'm going to say this. Now, Yes, he must pay. Yeah. And then in marriage, you know that your angel is not much of an angel. That honey doesn't have much honey in him. And baby is not much of a baby at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know that there was a lot of window dressing before Linyan. Everybody's trying to be on their best side of behavior. But now, you are known. What and all? Will you still say, I love you? But that's where agape comes in. You love them what and all. You love them mistakes and all. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You love them, you love them. Love, you know, sometimes you don't know. I think you added what I said. I didn't say that. You are laughing more than what I said. I think you've seen that. Yeah. Will you still love them, Balejwan? Will you still love him, Balejwan? And as you grow, you all change. His hair falls off. Will you still love the bald head? She also changes. Will you still love her? Mm. I, I often like to watch elderly couples, but I'm like, oh, fair long. Wow. See, when you're young, you never think about that day. Anybody knows? Oh, Jesus. Hey. You, you don't. You see, agape will carry you even in that time. Yeah. But in marriage, there's a, there's a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Listen to what God says. God maintains his covenant of forgiveness for us. Psalms 130 verse 4. Listen to what God says. It says, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There's forgiveness with you. God forgives. God maintains his faithfulness to the covenant because he readily forgives the offenses of a repentant man. Couples, please don't hold one another hostage. Can't tell people have turned from Can you imagine one day when you come to God? Have you, 
Can you imagine? Because it's come please. And you say, but God, why? God said, you remember? Six years ago, you did the same thing. Culture, how serious? We enter up. Even five years ago, we enter up, and the other years, we back go to another Can you imagine God doing that to you? But you see, in marriage, we need to learn to forgive. Now, we know some people should be taken for a ride. We know some people must lie. And I want to underline, we're not in any way saying people must be abusive. There are people who, unfortunately, are chronic liars. They've reached a point where it's very difficult to help them. They've given themselves to being such liars. Good love, was how many of you are sitting next? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> ah. Number four, the selfless God. In Philippians chapter two, it talks about how Jesus, let's read it, Philippians two, three to eight. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, watch this, let each esteem the other better than himself. And this is not what we are taught when we are taught about our rights. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with us knowing our rights. Please don't, you be got to. But you know, the Bible is so different sometimes to certain things we say that you can be so obsessed with your rights and, and that you violate the rights of others. Let's go to the verse before. Esteem the other better than yourself. Esteem the other better than... He didn't say they must be superior. No, no, no. He says just honor them. Respect them. Next verse. Verse 3. Let nothing be done... Uh, let each of you look out not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. You, you don't like my sermon, do you? Okay, next verse. Next verse. Next verse. Let this mind be in you, which was in, also in Christ Jesus. Keep going. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming into the likeness of men. Verse 8, hearing, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9, oh, I love it. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You know, you need to consider the other person better than you. Yeah. In marriage, selflessness is required. You have to embrace what your partner is asking for as long as it doesn't violate God's word or violate your conscience. But in marriage, if you are so full of you, you won't make it. In marriage, you have to put the other before you. You have to adopt what the other says and make it yours. We are just in marriage. Yeah. Yeah, you change. You don't just do things by yourself and report later. Smaller than things you can do, but there are major things you can't do. You can't just decide you're just going to visit Kaika. You know, I was telling them in the first service. Many years ago in our church, this is many years ago, you won't remember. You won't know. So you won't know what I'm talking about, who I'm talking about. But one of our leaders got married. And you know, he still had a lot of friends who were bachelors. And if I may advise you guys, just keep upgrading. Okay. 
Okay, guys. Kili shabi le second row le upgrading ne. Yes. Kila ploman le outi tesa nyalang too much. But la le tsoenya. Ploman le bana mara. Ploman le bana intelligent. Because when I was young, I was thinking about what I should do. So this guy now he was at church, you know. It was just a few weeks and yet. So he just said church. So after the service, you know, the wife left to go home. So I knocked at Alatela. So then he met up with these guys. The guys man, I don't really spin. I'm not going to but I'll use it as a sign. But I don't really feel like I'm not going to The guy said, "No, 20 kilo blella musadi kochai. Kita blella fella ria ko maponya. Arafiteng kochai. You can see the guy shame. Santana le mocha mo le nyalonga. You don't do that." You don't, you don't agree with your friends and come and report at home afterwards. You don't do that. <laughs> so the bad driver had, I lo report a kohae, but no time he, papaka koloi. He went into the house. <laughs> See, the married men, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, those of you who are single, you don't, you understand, you, he puts out how, why is this so funny? Ask us who are married, we will tell you. But it's a hard talk or two. You could tell a good law, I got a humble. Corinne, was that you lumber? Ha! Ha! Casalatia! Ha! 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 And the way he was walking with Naganja and there, like a semi prophet, and eh, Maraoke a prophet, Agaham below. See, the guy didn't remember that he's married. Forgot. See, when you're married, you, you share yourself someone else. You don't decide. <laughs> I've got to tell you the story, Masala. I'm sorry. I've got to tell you this story. This is really interesting. <laughs> One of our leaders in the church, they, they had driven to some place far, far, far. So they had an accident, okay? <laughs> they had an accident. But chase a home, So the police had to come, take the statement, but... He says, why are we waiting for the police? You know. You know the people from the neighborhood, eh? They're destroying the evidence. Ah, some of you don't know. Once that cow gets knocked down, the people can't come and take the meat. So he decided, no, these police are taking long. So he the babanka fella caught a hind. And put it in the boot of the car. So, so when the police finally arrived, there was nothing left. It's a very accident, Mara. You can't prove. <laughs> Just some blood. So he said he could tell these police that they know what happens. So they wanted to trick them, you know, to get the exhibit. But he knew that the exhibit was not going to make it to court. They were going to eat the meat. So he said then the police were, were saying, yeah, you must bring the meat. They said, no. So the police said, no, you must bring the meat. So they said, no. So they sat on top of the boot. And the police fought with them, opened the boot, took the meat out. He said, we were fighting with the police, fighting. Finally, we wrestled the meat, put it in the boot, closed the boot and left. With the evidence, of course. 
So he said, man, I drove far. When I got home, I don't know what he had done wrong. And he hasn't told the wife, Horekana, I brought some meat. <laughs> so when he came to report, she was so angry. You know, she said, what? Imagine, you have got a hand in the boot of a car. Where are you going to put it? That thing is big. <laughs> he said, we had an old refrigerator in the garage. I put that midday. He said, every day I would just go kilo He finished the quarter hand by himself. Didn't give to the wife, you know. But you see, that's, the thing about is in marriage, you have to both agree. You don't just make decisions. Because it's a covenant where selflessness should be part of what you do. Let's close, Bazalan. So, it therefore is these qualities in marriage that need to be a part of us. Because of our love for one another, we should be faithful to one another. Both marriage partners should be faithful to each other. They must forgive one another. Forgiveness means to release from debt. It involves a putting aside, a disregarding, a, put away, a putting away completely and unreservedly of the sins of another. True forgiveness involves a determination never to bring the subject of offense up again. And therefore, according to Matthew 18, forgiveness is part of the duty of a Christian. An unforgiving spirit it seems to be even a greater offense in God's mind when you read Matthew 18. If you fail to forgive, God says he won't forgive us. In other words, God's forgiveness of us is dependent upon our forgiveness of others. We should also be selfless in our marriage because unless both members of a marriage are putting the interest of the others before themselves, there's bound to be tension, jealousy, impatience, stubbornness, argumentative, criticism, harshness, pride, oversensitivity. A true harmony in marriage exists when there's a death of self. Now, it doesn't mean now you must be the dormant. It doesn't mean now you must be dominated. You know? Like one guy said, you know, in my house, I always have the last say. They say, what is it? He said, I say, yes, dear. You didn't know whether that was going right. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean that. But if, if one partner is the one who's always sacrificing, after a while, they're going to feel devalued. If they're the only ones who are always taking the extra mile, they're going to feel devalued. So we should have that attitude of showing selflessness. There are many traits in each of us that reflect the attitude of selfishness and living for ourselves. Let me go through a few as I close. Check if any of these are in your life, and my goodness, they are there. I ticked a few. My, my. A spirit of exaltation and pride, feeling that you are better than the other. There's nothing wrong, Bazalana, in embracing who you are and in being confident in who you are, but it should never be that in your Self-expression, you devalue others. Can be. 
Shouldn't be. Secondly, a love of human praise, thinking to be noticed. Hey, they are told They are told that I'm going grace. Number three, a center of conversation around yourself and your own interests. Go in a conversation, remember to anjal. Lungotlung, it's all about you. Or th- fourthly, a spirit of impatience with others. Number five, a spirit of retaliation or resentment when opposed or contradicted. Or what about this one? Number six, a tendency to criticize and pick flaws when others have been successful. Yeah. No, yena umuntu mara. Akirata attitude ya hai. Why can't just we stop for yena umuntu? Period. Hmm? Or a tendency to rebuke through sarcastic expressions. Or what about a jealous disposition and a secret spirit of envy? I was sharing in our Kairos group the other day that one of the things you learn, you know, and I must be honest, Masalana, I know in, your, in the world of the secular world, you call it professional jealousy. My goodness, there's so much professional jealousy among us as Barut. I tell you. I'm telling you, Basalan. That's why some of us are concerned with the way churches have become so title conscious. It's, 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 for me, it's a concern. Big one. Because now it looks like you really have to have a certain designation with some people just to be recognized. You know? And that sometimes we will not work with other people simply because their church is, is going well. I was telling them, I said, Bazalana, if you are jealous, you will never invite anybody to preach in your church. Never. Often it happens when you bring a guest speaker, people say amen more to the guest speaker than they do to you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. People receive more. When a guest speaker comes, they, when they make an altar call, you even see your elders going to the front way, puts out a how. Kanjan. And if you are selling any material, you find the material gets sold out more than yours gets sold out. Yeah. You really have to be secure in yourself. I tell you, you have to be, you have to be secure. You have to be secure. You really have to be secure. You can't be jealous. When God's using somebody, praise God. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. Yeah. Shouldn't be that you want to pick things in them. I mean, if their church is working, it's working. This is what delays us from learning from other people. So when you see another person doing better than you, you won't learn from them. You just want to come up with, no, that's why, that's why business here. No, there's no nyoka. They are working harder than you. This is what I pray for. Don't be jealous of your partner. 
When they're doing well in their career, be the first to celebrate them. Be the first to thank them. Amen. And when you're doing better than your partner, don't make them feel less than what they should be. Hmm? You leave this person. That's stupid. Hmm? You started together. Huh? You started together. Huh? Sometimes I see women, we do this. And ladies do it too. But it's more prevalent among the guys. Started with her. Two rooms in a nix. The combat takes it off. The so called off. The rubala legit brown bread can come as it's not usual. Next, no, 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 it's true. Now you've gone, God's been good to you, things have happened, you know. Now, so Kenyan, you should turn on. And now, because you're being noticed, it's coming on now. Ulubala, Manavatu, Oil, and Arudumela, Lohoho, Ayman. Ayman, that's not clever. That's not wise. Huh? Person who suffered with you, went through thick and thin with you. Huh? Those are the covenant kind. The others are not the covenant kind. They are the money kind. They are the mullah kind. They, they want a finished product. They, they want a finished product. Huh? Now that now so aparasute ngono, so ambela pezulu, now also notice waki banka rebada. Now you forget her. You raise children under difficult circumstances. All of that. Now that to no, no. You want to leave the poor lady. Same with the women. This girl was a meal. Kenya school, everything. Now that so graduated, so now so. So we have got Also have rights. That's not the Christian way. That's not the godly way. We love one another here. Yeah. We consider one another. Even if our achievements may be different. Even if our positions may be different. We married to one another. Our achievements and positions work only in our job. You are a husband there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are a husband. You are a wife. You love one another. I don't know if this has helped you. You have not been clapping much, but I hope it's helped you. Amen. Father, we just ask you to help us in our marriages. That we will be covenant conscious. We will be aware of how your covenant matters to us. You are a God of covenant. You are a God of great love. You are a God of forgiveness. A God of mercy. Where we've gone wrong, forgive us, we pray. We will do what is right. Thank you that your blessing rests on our lives. Your word rests on our lives. Fill us to overflowing, we pray. Will you join hands with your neighbor and begin to pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Oh, Jesus. Yes, yes. All over the place, there could be people who are here maybe for the first time. It might not even be your first time, but as you've been listening to God's word, you realize my life is not right before God. The way I live, I need God's help. I need God to turn the direction of my life around. I want to give myself to Christ. I want to invite Him to come into my heart and, and make me a child of God. And right where you are, you want to invite Christ to come into your heart and you want us to pray for you. If that is you and you need the prayer, you want God, Jesus, to come into your life, change you and make you a child of God, would you please just raise your hand right where you are, please? I want to pray for you right where you are. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands all over the place, all over the place. This is the time of life change. It's only Him, only God, who's able to take a life that's going in the wrong direction and place it on the right path. That's the kind of God He is. He's a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who's able to turn our destiny around. If only you give him a chance. Raise your hand please if that's you and you need the prayer. Thank you for those hands. May I ask everybody who raised their hands, even those who are outside, those in the foyer, if you raise your hand, I want to pray with you please. Please can you come from where you stand, where you're standing. Take all your belongings please. Don't leave any of your belongings behind and make your way all the way to the front of this building. Just come right here. I want to pray for you. Just come please. You raise your hand. You need prayer. Here they come. Here are some children coming. Give them a big hand, please, as they come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.